ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 65 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I am your host going solo this week, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter. Uh, But since there's only one of me as host, I brought on two great guests from DLF, among other things. I'll let them plug whatever they're doing at the end. But uh, first we have Addison Hayes, Adam Mays Hayes on Twitter. Addison, how are you doing tonight? Great. Uh, Everything's good on my end. Just, uh, you know, Another week is Thursday night. I know this game's not really exciting right now, but, you know, just happy that football is on and then we can get into uh, week three and keep it going. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely there is some big news from tonight that we'll get into in a minute. But uh, but also his colleague from DLF, who I believe I butchered his name on uh, when he was on game night um, by adding an R at the end. But it's, it's Cal Shoemake, correct, Cal? Correct. Doctor ran out of ink on the birth certificate. <laughs> Left the R off, and uh, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Excited to have a chance to you know, get made fun of a little bit by Addison. Uh, I know it's coming later. Uh, and before we get into to what we have planned for the show, the the big news I refer to is that the Christian McCaffrey. Well, actually, this kind of fits because we usually start off with the injuries. So we have a week three injury. Christian McCaffrey left uh, the early in the second quarter with a hamstring injury, already declared out, which I. Could be just because it's Houston, but often when they declare a guy out that quick, it's it's a pretty serious hamstring injury. Could be a multi-week thing. Uh, so any thoughts on CMC potentially if this is like a, a multi-week injury? Uh, and, and I guess more I'm wondering the biggest thing for interesting thing for me here is, is Chuba Hubbard and what you guys might think of him. So, uh, Cal, any thoughts on that? Really fascinating little mini story that I'll give you. I'll try to make it very quick, but I, I talked a lot pre-draft with Matt Waldman about his RSP and who he liked, you know, after some of the first few. And we talked about Chuba Hubbard and his comparison was Mike Davis for <laughs> how he, how he was in college and kind of, the, and this the was before of, he was drafted. This is before he was drafted, <laughs> kind of the arc of his career. So if it is him, I know like I, they signed Royce Freeman. Is Royce Freeman still there? Is that, is he still, he is still there, I believe. Yeah. So I'd be curious to see, you know, I anytime a big part of your offense gets injured in the middle of a game, I almost feel like it's best to throw out what happened afterwards because it's rarely what's going to be in the plan for the next week. But if it is Chuba Hubbard and we get those reports, I am going to be excited to see what he does. I mean, that's another rookie we get a, a chance to get a, a look at. I hate that it comes at the cost of not seeing CMC because football's a lot better when he's playing. 
Yeah, agreed there. And I, I, I was talking with Addison before the show. I think I only have one or two shares, so I'm not too worried about it. I think I have zero Shuba shares. So this is more just uh, kind of me looking from the sidelines almost on both guys. But uh, I, I was never – the reason I have zero shares is I was not a big fan of Shuba's tape coming out. Uh, he, 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 could, he could hit the home run occasionally, it seemed like to me, and that's where he piled up a lot of his yardage. Uh, I didn't like his overall game, but did – did you have any thoughts on Chuba in the pre-draft process, Addison? And, and what do you think you might expect of him if he gets like a, a month here? Uh, I mean, coming out of college, Chuba was really interesting because he had that amazing 2019 season. And then whatever 2020 was, you know, if there was outside influences or extra factors that he just he was not didn't look like the same player and statistically also was not the same player. Um, so his draft process, I felt like was really weird for fantasy and for the NFL. I did like the Carolina Panthers landing spot, and this was always kind of the upside with, you know, getting Chuba Hubbard in Dynasty or taking a, a, you know, a stab on him like in Scott Fish, Layton, or if you have really big redraft benches, was the possibility that if Christian McCaffrey were to get hurt and miss any time at all, you potentially have a running back that we already saw in Mike Davis last year, you know, that could see a lot of value or and very similar workload to what Christian McCaffrey would have been getting already. And he's not Christian McCaffrey, so we're not going to expect that he's going to be a top five running back every week, but to be able to now, I think plug him into your lineup as a RB two potential flex, even, um, you know, especially for those teams out there that, you know, especially in dynasty, if you lost Cam makers, if you lost JK Dobbins, you lost Travis Etienne, you now have a free running back. Uh, if you are a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire manager and you're really disappointed in what CEH has been doing, you know you might be tempted with plugging in Chuba Hubbard. So, you know, I think I think you basically, if you already had him on your roster, you have a free starter next week if Christian McCaffrey is out and forever how long Christian McCaffrey might actually be out. Um, so I, I'm I like it. I, I like the potential, and that's always kind of been. Um, the kind of strategy and running backs that I like to go for. And Chuba is now, we're just going to see the opportunity of what he can actually do. Yeah. He's a, a prime, I guess, zero RB guy with going into the season. You know, if this happened, I mean, like I said, I wasn't his biggest fan, but, uh, and, and before Cal even made the comparison, um, that he got from Walkman. I mean, if he can be, I, I was not the biggest Mike Davis fan before last year either. And we saw what he did when he, when he got running that offense. So uh, they seem to concentrate the load on one guy heavily, even if it's not Christian McCaffrey, not maybe not 95% heavily, but Mike Davis got a lot of run as the lead guy last year. So uh, mm-hmm. I think he's definitely going to produce for you. If this, if this uh, hamstring injury lingers on for a while. Uh, but we'll get into some of the other injuries from week two. And uh, the, the biggest one maybe there was the Andy Dalton bone bruise. Uh, we've all been waiting for Justin Fields' season. Uh, and so I guess, do you think we'll – what do you think we'll, we can see from, from Fields right away? Do you think he'll be able to produce uh, better than at least uh, we've seen from Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence so far? And, and is this a good thing for Allen Robinson? Because the first two games have not been uh, – Addison, I'll let you go first on this one. Hopefully it's better for Allen Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, I think what Justin Fields presents is kind of the similar things that Justin Herbert could have brought and, and did bring to the table last year for the L.A. Chargers was the difference between 
Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert was now we have potential for, you know, more passes going downfield, higher air yards, a lot of those, you know, targets and receptions that are more valuable for fantasy football than Andy Dalton that we've, you know, has made the joke that nobody has really seen Andy Dalton throw past the first down marker (laughs) in the first two games. So there's that potential. We have to remember that he is, of course, still a rookie. I feel like we can we kind of lose sight of that sometimes with rookies and especially with this rookie class that there's a lot of hype coming in for Zach Wilson after his preseason, obviously Trevor Lawrence, everybody hyping him up to be the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. You know, there's even still hype for Mac Jones once the Patriots cut Cam Newton um, and there's still hype for Trey Lance whenever he comes in. But we have to remember that these guys are still rookies. They're getting used to the, you know, the NFL still the play of and the speed of the game. Obviously, the balls don't have white stripes on them, but that doesn't really impact the quarterback position. <laughs> Apparently, just the wide receiver position. Just the wide receiver. So, A-Rob and Darnell Mooney should be fine. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I, I am really excited, and I do hope that this uh, kind of elevates the Bears' offense in a way that we all were hoping for and kind of expecting basically all summer once Justin Fields you know, was officially drafted by the Bears. Yeah, I think that was a good point, too, you made about, about the deep ball, because I think that was one of Justin Fields' strengths, especially coming out uh, relative to the rest of this class, especially, is, is his deep ball and his accuracy. Uh, and that's definitely been lacking so far. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on Justin Fields' season, Cal? I'd love to see it. I He's one of the ones that I just, of all the rookies coming out, so excited to see him on a football field because I think what he can do with his legs is so special in like his, his ability to, like, like you said, push a ball downfield. Like the connection with Mooney is so exciting to me because that's what Mooney needs. Mooney needs a quarterback exactly like him, you know, let him, you know, make some plays, get loose, get behind a defenders, you know, and let a couple plays happen like that. I would imagine initially we're going to see a much more controlled Justin Fields. I think Nagy's going to keep the, you know, keep the the floaties on a little bit to try to, you know, hold. I don't want to say hold him back, but I just think there's he's going to be. Uh, I don't think he's going to give him full reign of producing just yet. Uh, Browns have played two teams. Really interesting last week playing the Houston Texans. You got to see Tyrod Taylor, who can do some of the similar things that that Justin Fields can, right? So. If there's a if there's a game plan that can be had, you know, Taylor scored a touchdown through the air and one on the ground, you know, maybe that tells you that, you know, that Justin Fields can do something similar. I hope Maggie took some notes because that could be fun to watch. Yeah, and and Fields in I think like half a game last week uh, did run the ball ten times. Uh, he did not get as much yardage as you might have expected. Uh, I I did not see any film of the game, so I, I don't know how much of that was, if any, was designed or he just ran ten times out of the pocket. Uh, but but that's definitely. I mean, he he's. I, I hate using this because it's so overused, but he's definitely got that Konami code, and he mm-hmm. he should have that high floor. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he does. And, uh, yeah, I just hope, uh, you know, I'm just a little worried. Uh, I was on a podcast last night, uh, Fantasy Timeline, and uh, we were talking about uh, the Jags and Urban Meyer. I just hope uh, Matt Nagy doesn't ruin Justin Fields the way Urban Meyer appears to be ruining Trevor Lawrence. That's my biggest concern is Matt Nagy uh, holding him back. I I think the sky's the limit for Fields, though. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, so another one of the other injuries we wanted to talk about was Jarvis Landry going on the IR. Uh, Jarvis Landry, not a major fantasy asset, but it does weaken the Browns offense. And I thought it was kind of interesting. This seems to be happening just as as OBJ is coming back. Uh, so do you have any hope left for OBJ? Because I do not. I've been basically looking at him as a wide receiver three ish type. Uh, just that part of it's that offense. Uh, part of it is, you know, just they like to run so much. So do you think that maybe Landry out helps him or did the, you know, would it have been better for him to have the guy on the other side? What do you think, Cal? I am an LSU Homer and OBJ <laughs> was one of my favorite players to watch, but this is a very different version of Odell Beckham than we saw in New York and that we were hoping to see in Cleveland, right? Like we have not seen him, you know, capital letters, Odell Beckham at all in Cleveland yet. The, the match with Baker that we thought could be special just never has been. And now he's coming off, off of an injury. There's been some delay in getting him out on the field. Uh, there's even some hesitation about, you know, oh, well, maybe it's going to be a game, game time decision or, oh, hopefully he doesn't have any setbacks and then we'll play him. Like none of that to me sounds like somebody that I'm going to be looking to get into my lineup if you play without him the first two weeks play without him this week but you know you hope you always hope with someone like this that you can you know catch some of that lightning in a bottle and and obviously there's a chance the targets are there but this might be a decent little like before anybody gets to see it if you can sell him in dynasty to me like try to use some of this momentum and sell them because i don't think it's going to be good uh, uh yeah i'm with you there it looks like looks like Addison agrees too. I see him nodding his head. You're you're out you out on OBJ as well. Yeah, it's rough, man. And it's so weird because the Browns look and Baker Mayfield too looks so much better without him. Like when Baker's mm. not force feeding OBJ, yes, he just he's just able to sit back there and you know go through his progressions and he doesn't have to force the ball to one single player. And OBJ at this point, like this kind of sucks to say, but he's kind of is like how AJ Green was for the Bengals last year where he had like 10 targets, 11 targets every single game and then came down with like 3 or 4 for, you know, 40 yards and that's just kind of where he was. Mm-hmm. And that sucks to say for OBJ because, you know, there's so much hype like Kyle said for him on the Browns and that's just it's it's not realistic. I don't I don't see it. I just I, I kind of he kind of was an afterthought for me this whole entire summer. I was just kind of like OBJ. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm not I'm not in on it on it at all. I know that there's still some OBJ truthers out there. Maybe you have one in your league if you still have OBJ and you can just sell them off. At this point, I don't know. I feel like I would take I wouldn't say almost anything, but almost anything at this point. Just a second round pick, take, you know, um Elijah Moore, if you can make that swap, I don't know if you can, but like just find some other wide receiver that's not OBJ and maybe gain five or six years of age back. Yeah, I was a believer in OBJ up until the injury last year. And then I was just like, that's it. I'm finally out. It, when he comes back, he's going to be, and, and we see he hasn't even come back yet. Uh, he's going to be, you know, a 28 year old coming off a major injury. Uh, he already wasn't producing. He's going to have. No value. Like you said, I, I'd be happy to get a sec. I haven't think I have him on one roster at this point. And, and it is a home league. So maybe maybe I can swing that uh 
uh, OBJ for Elijah Moore type swap that maybe they're not as uh, up on the rookies and they see Elijah with the slow start and thinking, let me get rid of this guy and get get the name OBJ. I may try that after the pod tonight. So, yeah. um, but we'll move on. And this is another one that we can kind of uh, talk about in in conjunction with the game tonight because Tyrod Taylor uh, went to the IR with the hamstring, was playing surprisingly well uh, mm-hmm. before he got hurt. Uh, keeping uh, keeping the Texans competitive, uh, they won their first game and then they were right in it with the Browns and until he got hurt. And uh, we get to see Davis Mills tonight. We're at halftime as we're recording now. It looks like they're kind of uh, kind of giving them some probably easy passes. I haven't seen. I saw some of the game before we came on. I haven't really seen it since we started. But uh, nine for eleven for seventy nine. And a touchdown to Anthony Miller, of all people. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he is keeping Brandon Cooks alive, it looks like. Uh, four for 60 for Brandon. Uh, I, don't, I don't have how many targets here, but I'm sure he's getting the, the lion's share. So it, it looks like Brandon Cooks can can keep this. Uh, is Brandon Cooks quarterback proof, Addison? <laughs> it certainly seems like it. I know. I, mean, I wouldn't have thought it coming into the year. but Mm-mm. Yeah, no, that's wild. Because at the beginning of his career, he – had like the greatest quarterback luck of all time. Right. I mean, he went, he went from Drew Brees to Tom Brady. Um, and then, you know, got stuck, I guess with like Jared Goff, like stuck, <laughs> but you know, Jared Goff makes Jared Goff is your quarterback makes Allen Robinson really jealous. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, just kind of went down to Houston had, um, I don't, I don't remember. He, he did have Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah. Last Houston, year, last year. Mm-hmm. And then now, has still been fine with Tyrod and I guess tonight Davis Mills as well. So it's it's wild, but good for Brandon Cooks, man. Good for yeah. Brandon Cooks. I benched him in a couple of places tonight because of Davis Mills, and it looks like that may have been a mistake. So uh, I think we got to lock him in our lineups going forward. Uh, any thoughts on Cooks or anything else with the Texans offense minus Tyrod before we move on to the next one, Cal? We don't spend a ton of time on this, but I can't tell you how many times I have thought I wish Tyrod Taylor was a rookie now. Like, I wish this was like he was coming out like in the last couple of years because I think he was just a little bit too early. People were still scared of the running quarterback. And, you know, no offensive coordinator wanted to be the first, right? They didn't want to step out there and, like, be the one to, like, yeah, we're going to push this. And, you know, again, not the first. Obviously, you had Vic and you had, you know, Steve Young. You had other ones. Cunningham, and my guy Randall. And do what and my guy randall cunningham yeah oh yeah back in the day yeah but you didn't have nobody had a huge amount of respect for that right it seemed like gimmicky right like but now it's so much more mainstream like i think tyrod taylor nobody thought about or at least he was in situations where nobody thought that they could build around him and now i think he'd be the kind of quarterback that could come out and you would think okay i can build around this guy and he looked so good in that game against the jaguars I went back and rewatched that one after because I just wanted to see what happened because it was such a, you know, shocking thing. He looks so good. He's poised. The way he maneuvers the pocket, like there are so many great things to like about him. I hate that he got hurt because I think he was in route to having a good year. And uh, yeah, I just wish he'd be. I wish he was ten years younger. Yeah, that's a, I like that's an interesting point I hadn't thought of, and it's funny you say that too about people not really uh, valuing it as much because I think even the quarterbacks themselves. Like I remember as an Eagles fan back in the day, Donovan McNabb hated to talk about his running or be thought of as a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. He wanted to you know let everybody know how good of a passer he was, and, and these guys nowadays they they 
utilize it the way they should and they they own it they you know they want to be you know lamar lamar i don't think lamar i mean i know lamar wants to be known as a good passer but i don't think he gives a crap he's just like i want to win and i'm going to run mm-hmm. and this is how i'm going to beat you so uh, mm-hmm. I, I like that point and i, I you're right and, T- and tyrod too he's he's kind of s- done pretty well wherever he's been he hasn't lit things up but he's generally been a serviceable fantasy quarterback and he's also won a lot like i think the bills made the playoffs like one time in like the, the last you know 15 years before McDermott got there or maybe it was the first year McDermott got there it was with Tyrod or something I, I just know that, that, that he had ended I think their long playoff drought um, when he was still the starter there but uh, we'll go on to the 49ers who have every RB on their team pretty much <laughs> um, Elijah Mitchell was looked good in week one uh, was not that great against the Eagles in week two but was getting all the run and then uh, he hurt his shoulder. Jamichael mm-hmm. Hasty was mixed in a little there. He got hurt. It's going to be out several weeks. And then uh, Trey Sermon finally gets a carry and gets concussed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so they're bringing in all kinds of guys. And uh, I guess what I want to ask is, how do you guys think this is going to shake out? And are you looking to invest in this backfield? Because if you can get the guy – because there's so much uncertainty, maybe you can get the guy cheap and, and it works out. Or are you looking to stay away from this backfield because there's so much uncertainty and you don't want any part of it? So, uh, Addison, what do you think? Uh, I'm I'm going to copy something. So on the DLF YouTube channel, we have a show called Mannequin Chill. That's uh, mm. Scott Connor and Shane Manila. It's fantastic. Um, those two are brilliant when it comes to Dynasty. And Scott says something on the episode that just dropped yesterday, uh, Wednesday morning about the 49ers backfield. And he said, basically his strategy is going to be when um, invest in the cheapest guy, or, you know, maybe a couple of the cheaper guys. And then whenever they get to the point where they now become the consensus, the guy and that their value raises up to then sell at that point. um, And then just kind of reinvest into whoever then is the cheapest in that backfield again, because, you know, for this, this is the third or fourth year now where this rotation of guys just becomes necessary because of the I don't know if it's the running backs that Shanahan chooses to invest in that mm. get hurt or if this is like a practice problem or something with all of these guys getting hurt between Mostert, Tevin Coleman, even Jeff Wilson. And now it's happening with the two rookies in Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell this year and Jamichael Hasty. And uh, I, I mean, I think that's the best way to approach it because you know that there is going to be at least an opportunity, if not to play those guys that you have in Dynasty that you invested in so cheaply in, but at least a sell point where you could maybe get a second round pick for them and then just kind of go back and, and do it all again with someone else. So I, I really like that. And I think that is kind of the, uh, the way to go for the 49ers backfield. Okay, so so you're saying sell and then reinvest in Jeff Wilson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although I don't know, people are kind of on to Jeff Wilson now. I know you might not be able to, but you know, if you if you got or the guy that wins TJ Yeldon or Lamar Miller on the waiver wire, and then you <laughs> carry can on Johnson for like a third or carry on Johnson, you know, that's just that's kind of free money at that point in Dynasty, even if it's a third or a fourth round. But you know, that's just kind of the way to go. And Kev, do you, do you have a guy that you think will take the reins? Is Elijah the guy? Are you a Sermon guy? What, what do you think? Well, I will first say that I was all over Sermon during the draft season. I loved Trey Sermon. Like I 
I know yeah. Waldman loved him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, I definitely like. I, I love. I, I for the first time ever, I wrote in a magazine. I did a write up on a bunch of different prospects. And one of them was Trey Sermon. So I watched him a bunch and just fell in love with what he could do. Like there are some special good things he can do, especially getting tougher yards, falling forward. You know, like at the point of contact where a lot of running backs might, you know, stop there. He'll get an extra couple yards. He's got a lot of that in his game. So. That could be a great wrinkle, especially against like, you know, a game script against the Philadelphia Eagles, for instance, where there wasn't a lot of running room. There was against the Lions. There wasn't against the Eagles. Surprise, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think that is the perfect moment to play him. But without injuries, Sermon wasn't going to see the field in that game. So at some point, I think this is something we do as a fantasy community. We trust what we saw on these college on college tape, but that's such a small part of the overall picture. Like I, I love what those guys can do to break it down. And I think breaking down the physical skill set is immensely important, but sometimes we need to be able to adjust because there's so many parts of what makes a, an athlete, a great athlete that aren't their physical tools. It's the mental side that we don't get to see. Like, we don't see them in practice. We don't see, you know, how they respond to competition, which that's a question for Trey Sermon, right? Like, he ran away from that in college. I hate to even bring that up, but he did. Like, that's part of his background, right? I, it's part of it. So, to me, Kyle Shanahan likes Elijah Mitchell more. And if Elijah Mitchell's an option and Trey Sermon's an option, we just saw it last week, Elijah Mitchell's going to get the ball. Now, is that always going to stay that way? Real quick, I'll, I'll just—I'm—I'm I, I, I'm sorry to talk too much here, but let me just—that's no, no, fine. <laughs> yeah, I went back through and I wanted to see if there was ever a time. I know we we think that it's just a randomizer about who's going to get the carries in the backfield, right? Like that's kind of what it seems like if you watch, if you pay attention to Twitter. I went back game by game and I tried to find another instance where there was a healthy scratch that then started and like got the dominant carries for him it did not ever happen i never saw where where that happened for kyle shanahan i did see where somebody was injured and scratched that then came and got their job back when they you know once they were healthy so that creates a whole other wrinkle when you think about jeff wilson because he (laughs) was the guy last year and now injured and gets does he get the job back and so um, I think in dynasty, Jeff Wilson, you know, I think he's what 28. I mean, he's older than people think. Um, and so to me, Elijah Mitchell's probably the guy I want right now because I just think Kyle Shanahan likes him more. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's funny. You kind of mentioned the, the healthy, the injured scratch things. I was just thinking too, what, what I was going to ask you is as someone who did like Trey Sermon initially anyway, is it looks like he may clear concussion protocol and, and it's not 100% for sure Elijah Mitchell is going to be able to play this week. And I was going to ask you if you thought that he could take, like, is he good enough that he might take that job? Uh, or do you think Shanahan gives it back to him in week four if Mitchell just needs a week to rest? So this is, if, if you're a Trey Sermon believer, this is what you needed to happen. And, you know, you, nobody likes for it to happen via, via an injury, but this is what you needed. You need an opportunity for him to go out there and win the job back because, it's clear he was not the guy that that Shanahan wanted for week one or week two. Like that was a bad start to Sermon. If you want, if you believe Sermon's going to be a dynasty commodity for us that we that we love and is productive for us, that's a bad start. That's a really bad start. 
this is the opportunity he needs to go out there and prove that he can be the guy. And if and I think if he goes out there and does it, I a hundred percent think Shanahan is he wants to win games. And if that's the best guy and he proves he's the best guy, he'll get that shot and he can take it back from Mitchell. I, th- I, 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 I believe, but it's, I think he's off to a bad start and he's got some making up to do. And this week's going to go a long way for that. I think. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I do think that if, if Mitchell will definitely be involved, even if he does not, even if sermon has a good game this week, we're going to see Mitchell again in week four or five and, and then Jeff Wilson will come in. But but to you guys' point, I mean, they, they have tended to, I think, run with a lead guy that even when, you know, they it seems to flip-flop flip, flop back and forth, that's often because of injury. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to mm-hmm. see with now Mitchell being that lead guy week one and two, and then it might be Sermon week three because of injury. Who is it going to be week four? Who's it going to be week seven when, when Wilson's back? So uh, it, it's pretty much impossible to predict. We're all just making guesses. That mm-hmm. I, I've kind of put my bets on, on Elijah Mitchell, but we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out thanks to the show shoulder injury um uh, it's funny too because i've heard a lot of people compare and i agree that he's very similar to mostert uh in style and, and apparently he's similar to mostert in injury ability too so oh. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because mostert's always had that job when he's healthy but he, mm-hmm. he, can, he can barely last a quarter it appears sometimes so mm. uh so the last major injury we wanted to talk about and then we'll get into a few guys we wanted to talk about from week two but uh tua was the other big one this week uh, had the rib injury. They're calling it cracked ribs now. Uh, definitely out Sunday. Could be longer. Uh, I, I was a big Tua believer, uh, especially coming into this uh, this 2021 season. And he did not show a ton against New England, but that is a pretty good defense. Then he barely had any time before he got the injury against the Bills. So I'm still not out on Tua. I know some people are. Addison, what, where were you at on Tua before the injury, and uh, are you concerned this is just going to, you know, n- knock him down even more, and and it, it's going to be a problem going forward for Miami? Miami already did not seem to trust in him, so if he if he's out an extended period of time, is this going to cause even bigger problems for his career going forward? Uh, no, I don't think this is going to cause problems for his career moving forward. I still think that he is definitely Miami's guy, um, and I think that there was even though there was the talks and the links with Deshaun Watson and stuff like that, I feel like they've made it pretty clear that they wanted to, uh, to at least have the opportunity, you know, to solidify and, and like 100% confirm that he is the guy and, and can be the guy moving forward. And I, you know, I, I did really like Tua coming into this season. I thought that he was going to be a lot better than what we saw in his rookie year, just because of all the new weapons that they got in Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle. And they have a new offensive system and coordinator and a system that's now built around Tua and not really Chang Gailey building around Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so I did like the opportunity that Tua had. And this was really upsetting that he is going to miss however many weeks, you know, with with broken ribs, uh, because that could be, you know, a, a really big problem, not just for the weeks that he sits out, but then kind of, you know, when he comes back, if he takes one really bad shot, then it's just kind of, you know, aggravating right. a little bit. But I do still really like Tua. I liked him a lot, specifically in Dynasty, because I thought that he represented a very good value and was an easy bet to see the rise in Dynasty value as well if any production were to come out of it just because of where he was being valued relative to other quarterbacks. And I still think that that is true. And this injury might honestly push him down a little bit more or at least make more people like the people that were like, well, let me see what Tua has and then 
I can decide what to do with him. Um, this injury might leave some of those managers, you know, wanting a little bit more, and you might be able to sell on a quarterback that's that's doing really well. Like you might be able to turn Derek Carr and a little something extra into Tua, so like a dynasty move, right? Um, you, you could kind of do, I think, something like that and be better off for the future of your dynasty superflex leagues and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was just going to make that point that, as you were saying, that the, the, the two guys we're going to talk about in a little bit, Derek Carr and Daniel Jones, both gotten off to really good starts and and guys that uh, I'd, I'd rather have Tua over both of them. And, and and that's the same reason I liked him a lot, too. I'm a, I'm a guy that tends not to pay up for quarterbacks, not to draft them early, even in Superflex. Um, so I, I loved you were getting two at a QB two price uh, in startups or in trade. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I thought he could be a QB one this year. And now it's going to have to wait to see it a little bit uh, going forward. Cal, you worried about starting anybody on Miami is Jacoby Brissett too far of a drop. I mean, it's not like Miami's been lighting the world up in the first two games with the two, or at least partial two in game two and end two in game one. So are you concerned about these weapons until at least until Tua comes back? Concerned about maybe the weapons that haven't um, haven't solidified themselves. Oh wait, yeah, that's all of them. None of them <laughs> yeah. have solidified themselves in Miami. Um, and you know, you bring in Brissett. He had a good year with uh, T.Y. Hilton. You know, like uh, in Indianapolis. So you hope maybe he can bring some of that magic. Is that a Will Fuller type? You know that we can look at him. Maybe I, I'm glad that we're going to get to see him on the field with Brissett. Um, it's just a Pandora's box about who knows what's going to come out of it at this point. We don't know with, we know it wasn't good last week, but again, I almost throw everything that happens with an injury like that. You get a change. I just, I, I like to just throw it out and not even just pretend like it doesn't exist. Cause that's not, you know, the game plan at all is going to be different when they have a chance to line up, um, you know, come up this week, but might be good for Addison's boy. Miles Gaskin might try to run the ball a little bit more. That's my biggest takeaway. Or get some of those dump offs if he's getting a little pressure, doesn't know where to go. You know, uh, value. you're a Miles Gaskin fan, Addison. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you need you need to talk to to Bobby Koch. He was he was doing the Miles Gaskin bullet uh, dodging tracker in the off season. Now he, if he got past free agency, he got past the draft. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we both I, reminisced and, and celebrated each other's dynasty championships on the back of Miles Gaskin. <laughs> there you go. Okay, um, so we wanted to uh, just what well, well, like, like I said last week um, on our first uh, in-season episode. During the season, we're just going to kind of pick out a handful of guys or some storylines and that we want to talk about each week. And this is still going to be a little similar to last week and kind of early season stuff. Is it real? Is it not? And what, what we're thinking about what's happening so far. So uh, the one I had to start off with, because I've been talking about, especially too, because, because Cal for some reason does not know, you know, what, what he has in TJ Hawkinson. But uh, I had to bring up Hawk because I've been touting the guy on, on two pods all off season. And it's basically at least three. And again, if, if I wanted to say too, if I, if I can't take a, if, if, if I can't take a victory lap after week two, what's the point of having a podcast? So uh, <laughs> I had to do it. So, uh, but he's, it's not that every, 
not everyone, but a lot of people, you know, thought Hawkinson was going to be good. He was like tight end five last year. And some people said better than he could even be better than last year. But I don't think a lot were saying that he's going to be definitely in that elite tier where he's going to be that difference maker. He's going to be that Kelsey, that Waller, that Kittle. And that's what I was saying. And after two weeks, Addison's making a face, but after two weeks, that's that, or was that, is that because you were saying that? I'm not sure what that I, face I was. was. In the, I was in that boat. I was okay, yeah, <laughs> but I don't think that was the prevailing sentiment. I, mm-hmm. I, and that's what I've been saying all offseason. After this year, we're going to think of him, how we think of Kittle, how we think of Waller as, as one of those guys. And through two weeks, uh, 1.5 premium, he's, he's, he's tight end three, but he's less than two points behind Kelsey, slightly behind Gronk, who, you know, I, we don't expect to keep that up. That's largely based on four touchdowns in the first two games. Mm-hmm. And uh, Waller's up there. And then between T- Hawk and Fant at five, there is a 12-point-per-game difference. So he's in that difference-maker tier at least through two weeks. I expect him to keep it up. He's got eight catches in both games. He's got a touchdown in both games. He's probably not going to catch, catch a touchdown per game. But I expect the targets and the catches to continue. So my question to you, Kel, is what the hell is wrong with you that you, you don't like TJ Hawkinson? Come on, Cal. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think the 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 threading the needle here, like you just <laughs> did with the argument for me, was never a look. He was top five last year. It's not a matter of like top five or not. Like, yes, top five. I think was you know, in, especially in dynasty, like that is him. The thing, my thing is last season, the difference between tight end three which is, you know, where Hawk was in tight end 16 was about three times closer than tight end three. So there's a hundred point difference between tight end three last year and Darren Waller, 125 points from, from tight end three to Travis Kelsey. And so John U. Smith finished as the tight end 16. So I get it. Like, yes, you could not have picked a better start for TJ Hawkinson. And yeah, you, this is the time you better victory lap now <laughs> because we'll see how it carries on. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say it definitely won't like, this is exactly what you want to see. And I, we could talk about some of the underlying numbers. Cause I think he's a very different player than he was last year right now, but right last year after two weeks, it was Kelsey Waller, Janu Smith, Noah Fant, and Tyler Higby. That was our top five after two weeks in 2020. And everybody was saying, oh, Janu, we knew it. He was going to separate himself and be one of that top tier. And he was there after, after two games. He was good. That, obviously, he finishes the tight end 16. And I'm not saying Hawkinson will do that, but... I still have so many questions about this offense. I still have so many questions about Goff. I have a questions about how they're going to respond to what, you know, this offense has done over the course of the first two games. Cause they're the, the, the correction is coming. The counter punch is coming. Is he good enough to continue to put up those numbers? And can he make up a hundred point difference between him and Darren Waller last year? How many targets does he need to make up that difference and be in that tier? That's a lot. That's a lot. I have some of my own thoughts, but I want to let Addison respond to you first. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, just, uh, <laughs> I've been ragging on Cal so long for this as well. Um, <laughs> I I have the screenshot of his redraft rankings. 
<laughs> from tight end, uh, ready to go when TJ Hawkinson is a difference making tight end this year. Um, not to me. So the whole thing that I saw from TJ Hawkinson this year was that he was the clear cut number one target on this team. I mean, you had Tyrell Williams and Khalif Raymond and Quintez Cephas and everybody's favorite Amon Ross St. Brown, but was drafted on day three. And, you know, just a bunch of guys that we really didn't believe in to make a difference at the wide receiver position. And I thought it was going to be TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. And I thought that there was a very real possibility that TJ Hawkinson leads the Lions in targets. Um, and at least through two games, that's looking pretty good. I mean, again, TJ Hawkinson has 20 targets. DeAndre Swift has 16. So they're the two target leaders, and that's kind of what's coming to fruition here. That's 170 target pace, Cal. Mm-hmm. 170 <laughs> targets, Cal. I don't think that he's going to get bet up the under. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going to get there and continue this fire 10 target per game pace. But I do think that that it has shown at least that he can be a difference making tight end. And I think that if this continues, and I, I I said I was like I don't think 130, 140 targets in this offense is really out of the range of possibilities. I thought it was it was actually uh, closer, a lot closer to safe prediction than it was like an outlier ceiling type season. And I look back every tight end who has received at least 130 targets has finished as a top three tight end. And I believe 17 or 18 out of the 21 or 22 tight ends that did that since 2000 to receive 130 targets in a season, all scored over 230 fantasy points, Mm. which would definitely really cut into you know what Darren Waller did last year around 280 and then Hawkinson being at a minimum 230 would really make him a difference making tight end and he could be averaging 14 15 fantasy points per game and that's you know that is a difference making tight end for you and and a you know a true positional advantage um, yes. and I really I really really wish that I had um, the courage to rank him over George Kittle in redraft. Um, I just kind of plugged George Kittle in because he was like consensus tight end three. I had my concerns and those concerns seem to be coming true at least a little bit here. Um, and the, everything I loved about TJ Hawkinson seems to be coming through. And I just, I wish that I just had that courage to rank him tight end three over George Kittle, but I didn't, but I love what I'm seeing out of TJ Hawkinson. And I have him on so many freaking leagues and redraft and best ball. Cause he was drafted in the fifth round. I was like, easy money, give me that, and I love it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. He's and he's my most owned legit tight end. I think I actually have more shares of Gerald Everett as a guy I was buying low in a lot of places. But uh, as uh, in terms of legit tight ends, I have no more uh, shares of anybody than T.J. Hawkinson. And I'm with you on the targets. Uh, 130, I think, is is definitely within reach. I think easily within reach as long as he stays healthy. There is no one else to throw to in that offense. Goff is a Goff is. Not great, but he's a legit NFL quarterback. He's better than people like people treat him like he's cheap. He's like QB twenty seven coming into the season in ADP, and I never liked Goff, but he's not horrible. He's not you know 
uh, Nathan Peterman or something. So I, <laughs> so, well, I mean, funny about that argument was people are like, Oh, Jared Goff can't support TJ Hawkinson as a top tight end. Meanwhile, George Kittle broke the receiving record for tight ends with over 1300 and had his breakout campaign with a, a combination of Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins and CJ. That's true. Yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't matter. As long as he gets the targets, it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. And, and people will give all the credit to Sean McVay, but he did, he did support two number one receive like wide receiver ones uh, in, in, in LA. And, and he, he did have to make those throws as good of a coach as Sean McVay might be. Um, so, and, that was my other argument because people would always say, oh, well, Goff and the offense. Like, is the Raiders offense the last two years been some juggernaut that's producing Darren Waller? And, and he's got nothing around him either and no one to take pressure off him and he's producing. So it, it, to me, they're very similar situations, And uh, except uh, Waller's just a lot older, uh, probably a little more athletic than TJ, but but TJ's not not unathletic. So, uh, no, Cal, he's very athletic, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about how dumb yeah. you were? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because here's the thing, and I mentioned it. He's a very different – he's being used very different. It's not – to me, being the best target on his team, like that just – you you earn the targets that you get. Like that's – he had 100 and uh, – however many you said, 100, 101. And then, you know, but his – his separation was 20th among amongst tight ends, 13th and average cushion. It's not like he was, you know, creating this like incredible separation and demanding targets the way that a Darren Waller or a Travis Kelsey will. But you know, like what what's so different that I think it could be really exciting about Hawk, and he absolutely could be this is look, last year he was 13th in slot snaps. Only 21% of his snaps were coming out of the slot. I failed to realize how big of a difference Pinna Sewell was going to make for him because now that they have a better offensive line than last year, he's right now a 51% rate out of getting slots, slot snaps. That's a huge change, huge change. 20% of his snaps to 51%. That's part. So now he's running more routes. He's literally first in the NFL at running routes as far as tight ends. He was eighth last year. So if he's getting third, he's the 13th best as far, you know, 21% of his snaps are coming out of the slot. Um, eighth most routes run. That was not a combination that to me was ever going to equal getting more targets and giving, getting himself to a place where he was going to be in that difference maker. So the fact that they're utilizing him so differently than they did last year, now some of those skills that like he was, he, he can showcase those skills that we've seen after the catch, for instance, on some of his plays or, you know, being able to go up and kind of high point the ball. Some of his route running is better because he's in the slot working against somebody different. But up free I just want to say that was another argument that I would make to people too, is people wanted to say that, Oh, well, he, he didn't, he didn't have much competition last year. Galladay was out most of the year. Marvin Jones is better than anybody by far. That's on that team this year. But, he, but he there's also is. the idea yeah. that, that you can improve in year three, especially for a tight end in your third year in the league it doesn't mean what he was last year is what he's going to be this year no I, and improve yeah he probably has improved somewhat but he now has the role that looks like a difference maker tight end so like how he's being you if he was right now this season being used the same way as last year 
he wouldn't have these numbers and I would have little, I, I would not think like, I would see this as an aberration aberration. Like I would not think of this as like, this is sustainable. If he's still getting 21% of his snaps as a slot, if he's still not, you know, up there with, with running the most amount of routes, things like that. He'd be back um, down with like no fan at that point. Yeah, exactly. Which is still, you can be a top five tight end with that, you know, and Hawk proved that last year. It's just, but even still with Addison's projection, that's still 50 points less than Darren Waller and almost 100 points less than Kelsey last year. So that's still a big difference. I think he can still make some of that up. And like, I, I if he keeps doing this, he will be that difference maker. If you start seeing some of those numbers decline, to me, that's where we start saying like, uh-oh. Uh, they're asking him to block more or they're asking him, you know, they're pulling him inside more. That's where I would be a little bit more concerned. And I'm not saying necessarily that he's going to outproduce Kelsey this year or even necessarily Weller, but I think he's going to be in their neighborhood. That That's basically been my whole point. And mm-hmm. I have my little scroll at the bottom of the screen for anybody watching that says Hawk tight end one. I do not mean that by production. What I wanted to say is if he does finish in that neighborhood and let's say Kyle Pitts does what he's done in these first two games is in that, because I think these are the only – I think after this year, Kelsey will likely not be considered the tight end one in Dynasty mm-hmm. in terms of value. So do you I think, think that – what was that? I think he's already not. In DLF September – True, I think Pitts is there. Yeah. But if if Hawk has this season, if Hawk is is neck and it, 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 close to this, is in that neighborhood, like right now he's neck and neck with Kelsey, he's above Wilder. Let's say he fades off a little bit, but he's still there. And And – Pitts isn't near that production. He's one of the that group that's, you know, he's a tight end eight, tight end 10. He has a very good season for a rookie, but uh, d- does not produce the way Hawk is. Is there any chance Hawk is tight end one or is it going to be Pitts? No chance. I, I, don't, I, literally, I don't think there's anything that Pitts can do to not be the tight end one. I, I saw I saw a stat. Even though today, Hawk is, is, is very, very young and might be producing an elite season. I, I just think that's the way because ADP is a snapshot of what people think, right? And I just think there's going to be that second year hype for 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 Pitts. It's already come before he had, had a chance to go on the field. And look, I know, like, yes, some of the production and really just the, the touchdowns haven't been there. But I, I read a stat or heard a stat today. I, I wish I could give a credit. I, I don't remember where it was from, but the Falcons are averaging five extra yards, over five yards per play with him on the field more than when he's not on the I field. I saw that, yeah. That's insane. He's a difference maker. I just, to me, to me, what's that is insane though. That if if Hawk does has this season, what he's done in the first two games, like I said, I'm not saying that's going to happen. But if he does, to at twenty, what twenty four? Hawk is twenty four, twenty five. He does that, and and just because Pitts had hype coming into the season doesn't come near. To me, I'll be selling pit. I do have a few pitch shares. If that happens, I'll be selling pits for Hawk everywhere. Hawk plus, uh, because that's what I would want. Because you're getting you. If he has this season that he had, he's had in the first two games. You're getting a potential Kelsey at 24 or 25. What I again, I don't have Hawk's age in front of me. I wish I did, um, but uh, you know, seven, eight, nine years younger uh, with pits. We still have yet to see that. I know everyone assumes it's going to happen. But uh, I, I'll, 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 Hawk will be tight end one in my heart, if not in ADP. So, <laughs> uh, so I guess uh, we've rambled on a, quite a bit already here, and we still have a few guys to get through. We'll try and knock some of these out quicker because we we spent a lot of time on Hawk there. Uh, 
So uh, one of the other things we wanted to talk about, we mentioned earlier, uh, Derek Carr and Daniel Jones, depending on your scoring, they're they're, they're somewhere in the top 10 right now. I I think Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones is the top five in most formats. Uh, Are either of these, not top five, obviously, but you think either of these guys are sustainable as a QB1 for the entire season? Whoever wants to answer. QB1? Yeah, top 12 Uh, in production, not ADP. I don't think Carr is. um, I think Daniel Jones possibly, if the rushing stands, not 9 for 95 and a touchdown, but like (laughs) if if we're seeing a rushing floor of like maybe 40 yards per game Mm -hmm. um, and he falls into the end zone um, a handful of times more over the course of the season, I definitely think he'd be in the quarterback one discussion at the end of the year. And mind you, he's been doing this without basically any Kenny Galladay production. Like if they at any point the rest of the year figure out what the heck they're doing, Hmm. then that's just going to elevate Daniel Jones's passing stats as well. And if Kadarius Tony, whenever he receives his first career receiving yard, um, then that would be good for Daniel Jones as well. He also faced two pretty tough defenses his first two games too, Denver and Washington. That's right. That's right. Um, So they're still going to have their opportunity to face, you know, the Dallas Cowboys defense and, um, the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, 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 hey! Slay. <laughs> After Darius Slay, and um, and and yeah, and and I do think that Daniel Jones can sustain QB one, um, but I do think that that would mostly be because he has a pretty decent rushing floor, and if Saquon Bart like I feel like he's doing all of this right now without really having Kenny Galladay, um, with all of it's like Sterling Shepard. He hasn't had Evan Ingram at all. Saquon Barkley has been like slowly get like put back into the snap counts. Kadarius Tony's been a donut in two weeks. Like all of the weaponry and stuff that we were excited for Daniel Jones to show what he has, he hasn't had almost any of that. So if the rushing stays and all those passing weapons come back and can come back and help drive Daniel Jones's passing production, we could absolutely see him. As a as a top ten quarterback, even. Okay, and I, I know that's what I was going to say as well is that I think if either of them does, it's got to be Jones because because of the rushing, uh, it, we've seen that that it takes a special passing season to, to be a, a QB one generally. Uh, at best, you maybe sneak into the ten to twelve range with a very good season. But uh, we're going to go a little bit lightning around here so we can get through the rest of these guys um, and still get on to our find me a trade without you know holding up people listening to this podcast for like two hours. So, uh, but I did want to, since we had a question in the chat, I did want to put that up here, uh, which was, uh, are you guys starting fields over cousins as the QB two in a super flex league, full PPR have that decision in about 10 leagues um, starting either Lamar deck or Allen as my QB one, uh, depending on the league, I guess. So uh, I guess you, either of you want to, I guess both of you want to answer that real quick. Cal, would you start fields over cousins? Or are you going cousins? Cousins start off great as well. He's another guy that people hate that, that that's a top 10 QB right now. What, what you were hoping to see if you had cousins is Minnesota's defense, not performing well. Zimmer worked so hard to remake that defense over the offseason, and it looks just as terrible as it did last year. That's good news for you if you have Kirk Cousins. And, yeah, I I think that is um, good. That's good news. The Osborne breaking out, like, there are some things to like about what you're seeing in Minnesota for their offense. So, yeah, I still want Kirk Cousins. 
I would like to see a week for Fields. I if he gets a chance to to you know do everything we hope he does this week, you're gonna be happy that he's blowing up on your bench. Um, Kurt Cousins is gonna do well too. And who do they, they have? Seahawks this week, right? Yep. Yeah, and Seahawks have have not been very good against stopping the pass this year. All of a sudden, uh, just like they started off last year. So, yeah, I, I'm starting Kirk Cousins. I agree with you, Cal. Uh, Cousins, if you guys don't know, has been has been kind of my guy this offseason. As the as, as like I mentioned earlier, the guy who invests in the the you know the second tier you know ADP twelve to twenty type quarterbacks. Everybody hates him, and he finishes as a low end QB one almost every single year. Uh, I believe Ryan from DLF had put out a tweet early this offseason that really turned me on. I was like, oh, wow, he's, he's five of his six starting seasons. He's been QB, I think, 11 or better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just that first Viking season where he was not every other season he has been. So uh, you on the Cousins train too, Cousins over Fields, Addison? Yep, give me that. Uh, That's going to be a decision okay. you're going to have all year, but it's mm-hmm. going to be Cousins until I agree with Cal until we see Fields actually do it. Okay, so that thanks for the the questions. Uh, the question in the chat, uh, Ridley Truth, there are guys who's been here. I think pretty much the whole time watching. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> so Cal, uh, I put the, this is how I put it on the show sheet. C H W T F. So <laughs> he's been very, very, uh, especially this last game was very poor. He only had two point six uh, points after that fumble uh, PPR points. He, he was. Not good, but not awful in the first game with, I think, uh, just over 10. I think it was 10.2 fantasy points. Uh, I know I am. I ta- this is another uh, subject we talked about on the pod I was on last night, Fantasy Timeline. If you're not listening to them, they're also on the DAP, DAP Network. Go listen to them right after you finish listening to this. But uh, I think I'm in the very small minority that still is a bit of a believer in CEH. Uh, it is just two weeks uh, and uh, he produced well last year. Uh, he, you know, it is the probably the best offense in the league still. Uh, he's going to get his chances. He's he's still getting a, a lot of the – he had, I think, 78% of the, the snaps week one. It did come down a little, but only to 65 week two. He's still the clear lead back in that backfield. The go-on carries are going to be an issue um, most likely. They did take him out for Darrell Williams, who had – Minus three yards, but had that touchdown. So, um, what do you think? Are you uh, are you still in on Ceh? Are you like everybody else and he's dead? That's that's what I'm seeing on Twitter. Ceh is dead. <laughs> to me, this is a great buy low point for him. I, I, I like I, that. I do, yeah. So this is a safe space for uh, my Ceh love. I'm glad <laughs> to see that. <laughs> um, because I like look. There's just, okay. You know, I'm, I'm I'm gonna get crushed for this, but it's true. Um, I, when they play in the same weeks, he still has outscored Jonathan Taylor more times than Jonathan Taylor has outscored him. That is still a true stat. <laughs> Going back to last year. Right now, but that <laughs> oh. is 100% true. Um, By the way, Jonathan Taylor only had five more points in CEH last week. Yeah. Terrible he had like time. seven. Yeah. Terrible time for him to have his first ever career fumble, right? I mean, that was just awful. And so everybody sees it. There's already this negative, you know, um, you know, cloud surrounding him. But don't forget, we just completely forgot he got hurt in week two of the preseason. That was like five weeks ago, four or five weeks That's ago. Right, for yeah. I had actually forgot that. For, yeah. <laughs> and I'm oh. a believer. I'm like, I could have used that to make an excuse for him, and I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> well, I, I think that's why. Look, he's tough. He played through some through some injuries last year, too. And I think he's a tough kid that's going to go out there and give his best when, you know, when he can. But I just think 
He was limited by that injury. It was apparently on the inside of the ankle. And just, you know, Jeff had some things to say about that. Our, our PT, um, you know, our uh, fantasy football doctor that we uh, talked to, you know, Jeff uh, Mueller. Anyway, I, I, I think there's I think there's reason to believe that he was limited by that. You're going to see, look, first round pick. Andy Reid's a smart coach. He got like, yes, goal line, but I think he got like 80% of their red zone touches last year. No reason to think he's not going to have the same role this year. I just think it's too early. And I think this is not the end of his career. He's like, I think you can buy him for something right now that you might not be able to in a few weeks. That's what I was going to, I wanted to ask both of you this before I move on to the next guy. Uh, on that pod last night, I was asked what I because they were both on the opposite end. They were basically on the on the you know Twitter majority. He's done uh, kind of track. So they asked me would I give a, a twenty because I think this came up in in a, in a tweet that they were talking about on the show. Uh, would I give up a twenty twenty three first for Ch? And I said I'd do that in a second. And they were on the twenty twenty three first side. Uh, you, would you guys give up a twenty twenty three? Especially uh, that's supposed to be the better class, you know, quote unquote, than than 2022. So even though it's two years out, what do you think, Cal? You giving up a, a 23 first? I am. Uh, so I, I think about things in terms of super flex, and it's harder in super flex because you expect the first round to be, you know, have more talent there. Yes, this, so this is a super flex uh, oriented podcast. So yes. Yeah. So I I I think it's a little bit harder in super flex. I, I'm not sure you have to I, like. But if I have to, I'm 100% willing to do that um, for a running back. And then I I, I absolutely think – If I can get him less years, than that, I'm doing that all day. <laughs> sometime in the next two years, I think he's going to be worth a first again. I just don't think he's done. And, look, that could be wrong. I've been wrong before. It's okay. <laughs> I'll get over it. But I just don't think a first-round pick that Pat Mahomes loves, that Andy Reid loves, you know, that's getting the work that, that he's getting, he's going to gain value at a position that – is pretty scarce. What do you what do you think, Addison? You you uh paying a first for CEH right now? What you I haven't heard from you on CEH? No, I'm not paying a 23 first for CEH because I think CEH I think CEH at this point is just another running back that you could probably just get on draft day in your rookie picks anyway. Um, but I do agree that I think that you don't need to pay that first. I'm actually currently in one of my dynasty leagues right now trying to see what I could trade for Clyde <laughs> edwards Solaire because I think that he's at this point now where depending on the person who has him in dynasty, you could flip, I think realistically, you could flip like Tyson Williams and a second round pick for Clyde right now. And like, I'm all about that. All day. Oh, so oh would I. <laughs> like, holy crap. To yeah. me, to me, this is such a case of dynasty owners, which is crazy to me because this, even more so than, than anyone in, than I notice in redraft, we are so as a community react overreactive to everything, like like so quickly. He had one really bad game, and, and now he's just he's worth nothing. I, I was just pulling it up while you were talking through through week twelve last year, he, he which is I believe the week he got hurt. He was RB12 in points per game, not total points, points per game. So he was an RB1. 
mm-hmm. until he got hurt last year. And that was without I, – I don't have the touchdown number up in front of me. I have his fantasy point totals. But but that was without a ton of touchdowns, I believe. He wasn't getting a lot of goal line work even last year. So I, I just think people are nuts to just overreact the way they are where if I can get him for a second plus something else like a Tyson Williams that's worth a, at best a second, oh, my God, am I doing that all day. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Yes. So, okay, we'll move on uh, real quick. Saquon, Addison, is Saquon going to be Saquon, or is this? Are we seeing uh, either an injury marred season, or maybe even the beginning of a decline? Nope. Saquon's going to come back. I'm. He, he's been. He's been. You know, kind of training wheeled and and yeah, just slowly coming into getting back into form. He had like under 50% snaps in week one that jumped up to almost 90% last week. Um, I know that the, the volume and the efficiency on the volume hasn't necessarily been there, but again, they face two really good defenses. Like we discussed with Daniel Jones. I think that Saquon's just going to start to get going here a little bit. Um, and I, I do expect him to come back to form. And if, even if he's not Saquon, like 2018 Saquon, I think that he could still be, you know, a borderline RB one and definitely in in that range of a lot of other running backs like, you know, Joe Mixon or Austin Eckler or above Antonio Gibson, guys like that, that we just kind of expect to be in that range. I think Saquon's just going to kind of come back. And I think we're going to look at the end of the year and see Saquon sitting at like RB nine. We're going to be like he had a really good last 15 games. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah I'm stuff. with you. And I still I still think he has that top five upside. I think we see the beginning of the turnaround this week. They're playing Atlanta. That's not a great defense. Um, the Atlanta may be able to score some points on them. They scored 20. They didn't have a great game against the Eagles, but they scored 25 on Tampa. So I, I think we start. And like you said, the usage went way up in week two. And he's coming off now 10 days rest with two games under his belt. I think I think we see the turnaround this week. But uh, Cal. Well, you can comment on Saquon too if you want, but it will also get, go, go into our uh, our last couple guys we were going to talk about, which was uh, receivers. Uh, again, two guys kind of surprising in the top ten right now: Mike Williams, Hollywood Brown. And I was just going to kind of ask the same thing I asked about Daniel Jones and 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 uh, Derek Carr: is, is can they keep this up at least in terms of maybe low end wide receiver one potential? So, uh, like I said, if you want to say anything about mm-hmm. Saquon, then move into the receivers. Very quickly on Saquon, I fully expect him to get over uh, what's going on with his knee. I do think for him to be super productive, he's also going to need to get over his Jason Garrettitis. If as soon as that is <laughs> over, then I think he'll be Clapper. better. I think he's a bad offensive coordinator specifically for Saquon. Um, but you know, that's bet on talent. Don't that that situation will change. Um, I love Mike Williams right now. And I looked up targets today, targets today. Three wide receivers have double digit targets in both their games. And it's Deontay Johnson. It's Cooper cup. And it's Mike Williams. I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited about what you're seeing. He's finally getting the volume. I think he's the kind of player that you can probably, um, you know, count on to be a productive back in wide receiver one, maybe, you know, super high in wide receiver two. Um, the problem is I don't think you can buy him because I think whoever believed the most in Mike Williams already has him. Who you know, the people who don't, they aren't gonna trust him based on what they've seen so far. So I don't I, I think you know, is he a buy? Sure, in the way we talk about it on Twitter, but in reality, I don't know that you can actually buy him because the guy that loves him most already has him. 
Um, and Hollywood looks great. I think it, I, I'm really curious to see what that does for Rashad Bateman and does it lower what we like um, and the ceiling that we think Rashad Bateman could have. That's where I think the interesting conversation is with Hollywood. Yeah, and I, from this season, I mean, Mike Mike Williams has the target so far, which seems more sustainable. Uh, Hollywood's doing a little more on efficiency so far, uh, but but he also has been doing this going back to last season, where Mike Williams mm-hmm. is not. He had, the, he had like a six or seven game stretch to end the year last year, uh, where he's producing as a borderline wide receiver one. Uh, the, the last point you made, I think, is the biggest thing that worries me about Hollywood is is Bateman coming back, and, and what's that going to do to him. Um, but any any thoughts on the two receivers, Addison, before we move on to find me trade? I think I think Cal nailed it. I think the only thing that um, he said, not necessarily wrong, but I think it should be flipped, was um, not what does Hollywood's mm. success do for Bateman, but what does Bateman do for Hollywood's success? Mm. So. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flipping it around. Okay, so we are going to move on to our find me a trade segment that we finish up with each week. Um, we are going to look at uh, a team that was submitted by uh, a friend of the show, Corey Deaton at Dynasty Eeyore on Twitter. Um, it's a sleeper league. It's a 12 team super flex, half PPR with no tight end premium, six point passing touchdowns, uh, minus two interceptions, but some small bonuses for big plays. Uh, they have a 27 man roster. Only start nine, a QB, uh, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, the super flex, and two flex. And what Corey said was it was an empire league that just reset with a new startup after someone won back-to-back. Um, he lost ATN. He said needs a lot of work. Uh, he, says, he feels like building for the future is probably best, but didn't want to wait too long because empire leagues might have a small window. Um, and he said, I should have taken known QBs instead of rookies and gone elite wide receiver instead of Barkley and ATN. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I agree with that as the guy who likes to buy the lesser QBs, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure uh, it sounds like Kellen Addison do, but, uh, I want to get into Addison's trade because Addison's trade is just nutballs to me and I loved yeah, it. So. <laughs> Let's get weird. Yeah. So uh, first, though, Addison, uh, I, I do want to go. I always like for the listeners uh, to go over the guy's roster, which I did not do yet. I, I always tend to try and rush through that and not I, I forget to do it. So uh, I don't want to do that this week. So he has Trevor Lawrence um, and Carson Wentz, uh, as well as Zach Wilson, at quarterback. He's got Barkley and James Robinson as the starting running backs. Uh, I'm sure he goes through what he has as a starting lineup right now and then get some of his backups. you got C, uh, C.D. Lamb, Marvin Jones at wide receiver, as well as Tyler Boyd and Rondale Moore. Uh, tight end, he has uh, Austin Hooper uh, on his bench. He's got Jamal Williams, uh, Tony Jones, not much else at running back. So he's pretty shallow at running back. Uh, he does have Ayuk on his bench at wide receiver, uh, K.J. Osborne, Terrace Marshall, um, and a tight end. He has a bunch of tight ends, and uh, Jared Cook, Cole Komet, uh, and then some younger guys with promise like Hunter Long and Harrison Bryant. And then on the ER, uh, ER, IR, <laughs> he has ETN, as we mentioned, as well as uh, Curtis Samuel and Nikhil Harry. So that's the roster we're looking at. Uh, so some good good pieces there. I, I tend to think he's not a contender this year. I believe from Addison's trade, he doesn't either. So Addison, now let's get into your trade. All right. I have fun <laughs> making this, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you guys think this is crazy? Like it's not a good deal. 
or I just think it's crazy because there's so many players. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this trade. So we've hyped so, it up enough. You got to give the people the trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the way I approached this, I went in. I you know I took a look at Corey's team and I was like, man, I don't really see the the path for 2021 right. So I want to continue to build for the future, um, and I think that specifically in Superflex, the best way to go about that is to solidify having quarterbacks that have sustained dynasty value. And I really like those young guys because they're just kind of set it and forget it in both value and production at that point. Um, I also don't believe in having running backs in, in a true rebuild. I don't really think you should have any running backs of top 35, mm-hmm. top 40 value at all on your roster, especially in season, because you can be trading those guys to teams that have real needs at running backs that are trying to compete. So I looked at his team. I said that the best assets that he had were Saquon Barkley, of course. Yep. Um, and then he also has some pretty, I think, immediate sells now because he's not competing in Marvin Jones. Um, and also the potential of James Robinson and Curtis Samuel. So I built out to trade that was trading Saquon Barkley, Carson Wentz, Travis Etienne, and James Robinson so that Jacksonville Jaguars backfield, mm-hmm. Marvin Jones, and Curtis Samuel to this team, <laughs> Servants of the Dark Gods. For I kind of love that Herbert. team name, by the way. That, yeah, that's a good team name. <laughs> for Justin Herbert, Jerry Judy, and a 2023 first. So um, that's a lot. So... It, it uh, basically, the way that I unpacked this was I was looking at who actually could use those players, right? Because that's the other aspect of trades mm-hmm. is, is you have to send these players to a team that actually needs them. This Servants of the Dark Gods team um, has Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson. His two starting running backs right now are Leonard Fournette and Devin Singletary. Hmm. So obviously could definitely use a big bump up in uh, in the running back position. And Saquon Barkley, I think, would fit that very nicely, as would James Robinson um, as well. And then um, the way I went for Justin Herbert, because like I said, I want to target those top quarterbacks. But I sent Carson Wentz back because I think that, that kind of evens out, at least in a super flex. He's not losing a quarterback. He's gaining one back. And if you want to make the argument, Carson Wentz has actually been better on the season for fantasy over the last two weeks than Justin Herbert. Um, so you can make that that really fun argument there that Wentz is a better quarterback this year than Justin Herbert for fantasy. Um, and then also he's getting Marvin Jones and Curtis Samuel, um, which I think are solid flex plays as well because also on his team, he's starting Quintez Cephas. And you might be saying at this point, this team doesn't sound like they should be making this kind of trade. And uh, I would say I agree, but I looked, <laughs> they're one and one. They're actually... They lost this last week by 10. Uh. So they're 10 points away from being 2-0, and being in third place in the league, even if I personally don't agree with the that their team could make it all the way, especially when you look at some of the other teams in this yeah. league. But There's um, many of us who believe we can contend for longer than we should believe we can mm-hmm. contend. So, yeah, right. I, I'm falling right. to that group sometimes. <laughs> right. So that's the way – that's what I saw. And I, I said here, I said, look, I said – you could say this directly to that person while you're making this offer. It's like you're 10 points away from being 2-0 and being third place in in your, this league. 
Like, imagine how much better your team would look with the healthy Saquon Barkley in there as your RB1. You can even have James Robinson, who's receiving the, you know, the bulk of the carries in the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. And those are uh, both upgrades over Leonard Fournette and Devin Singletary in your running back positions. Um, you get Marvin Jones, who's a big upgrade over Quintez Cephas. You can't really wait for Jerry Judy to come back um, and, you know, how long that high ankle sprain injury takes to come back. And then what is he even whenever he does come back? So getting Marvin Jones uh, really helps your wide receiver core. Curtis Samuel has the potential to come back in two weeks. He was on the three-week IR, so he can come back in week four. Um, Adam Humphreys has looked pretty solid, I think, is the wide receiver two across from Terry McLaurin. So if Samuel kind of takes that role, he could be pretty good for fantasy. And then, of course, we're also trading away Travis Etienne. So now imagine your team now with Saquon Barkley, James Robinson. You add Travis Etienne to that. He also has A.J. Brown um, and Jamar Chase and Kenny Galladay and Will Fuller. You get Carson Wentz, so you're not losing quarterbacks in a super flex league. Um, and I think that is a fantastic deal for him. Obviously, a fantastic deal for you because you get your elite quarterback that you can build uh, for the future with. You get um, the 2023 first, which I think is great as well. And you get Jerry Judy to pair with CeeDee Lamb for the future um, as you you know start to go through your rebuild and go through all of that. So that was... Um, my entire trade and i made a note i said add your 2022 second if he's uh teetering and, and not really sure just push him over the edge with the 22 second yeah i i saw this this afternoon and i think i'm still processing it i'm still trying to <laughs> <laughs> um, if, you, if you want one more additional thing i actually put this in the trade analyzer the dlf trade analyzer uh-huh. this comes out to 1341 points on the saquon barkley side and 1,339 points on the Justin Herbert side. So it's is that with the, the package adjustment? Trades. Yep, that's with the package <laughs> adjustment. Um, so it's at least in terms of the deal of trade analyzer, one of the fairest trades I've ever seen come out of that thing. So um, yeah, I, I mean I the simplest way I can look at it is I mean, I mean, Judy in a 23 first it, to me is not enough for Saquon, um, but it's not that far off. And then, so that leaves you with Carson Wentz, Etienne Robinson, Marvin Jones, Curtis Samuel for Justin Herbert, which I don't think is too bad. Um, so I, I, I think I agree with the analyzer that uh, I, Herbert's probably worth more than that. You know, that five for one I just threw out there. Um, but I think Saquon's worth more than the other side. So I think it does kind of even out. Uh, like you said, it's going to depend if that guy really thinks he can uh, contend. Uh, I think if he does, though, I mean, yeah, you're, it's the other great thing about it is, too, if he is thinking he can tend, you're, you're, you're having him give you two pieces, one that's a pick that's two years from now that he's probably not even worried about, and, and Jerry Judy, who's not scoring him any points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get the next yeah, half of the season. Yeah, and, and you get you, ETN is not either, but you get James Robinson, you get Saquon. Uh, if he's a Saquon believer, which we'll get into that in my trade too, I, I, I do think there's a wide variety of opinions on Saquon right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, I like this trade. Like I said, it's crazy. Uh, I don't know if it'll get done in that exact form, but I, I love the idea of throwing it out there. And I've mentioned multiple times in this podcast and. and to specific podcast tonight and in general that I don't like to pay up for QBs, but my exception to that is in rebuilds, I will buy QBs, high-end QBs. Cause I mean, I agree with you. I, I like in a rebuild to, to have them because they will, they will hold their value longer. Uh, it, it, when I, when I'm contending, I'm fine trying to cycle through the lower end guys, the Brady's, the, the, the Ben's, the, 
the Daniel Joneses this year, uh, the mm. Kirk Cousins. But but when I'm rebuilding, and I know it's going to take a year or two at least, I, I like getting them, and then then I'll sell them when I'm contending again, and I'll get a I'll get a, a Brady whoever at that time is a Brady plus and that kind of thing. So uh, I like this a lot. Uh, any thoughts on this cow before we we move on? I just. I would love to have been um, inside of Addison's brain when he was putting this together. (laughs) I think this is because look, you're getting rid of assets that I don't think are going to um, appreciate outside of you. Like the guy can really talk himself into Travis Etienne, right? Like, Oh, I'm making this move and I'm giving it up first, but I'm getting at ETN and I'm getting Barkley. So I, you know, I, he also I has he, Cam Akers on IR as well. He lost Cam Akers this year. So he gets, he can talk us about like, yeah. oh, like next year, year he has Barkley, Barkley, ETN, and Akers. And oh, that's so I awesome. I love that. I, piece that was I, another yeah. reason I like Chase, by the way, is I'm not a big ETN guy. So I didn't care about anything you were giving him except for Barkley. So that was another reason I really like this trade. Like, like mm-hmm. Wentz is whatever. And, James Robinson, you know, is not good. Uh, James Robinson could produce a, probably a 1,500-yard season this year and is still not going to have any value next year. Right. So he's, he's like Chris Carson reincarnated. So, uh, and, yeah, and Marvin Jones and Curtis Samuel are not going to be big value pieces either. So I'm sorry. I kind of interrupted you, uh, you guys. Did you, were you going to go any further with that, Cal? No, that was that, okay. That was it. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine what was going through his brain either. But I love it because I, 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 I tend I to be the one. <laughs> I tend to be the one of the hosts that tends to come up with the biggest of trades uh, that we do on here, like some some monster deals. But I don't think I've even come up with a. Uh, I can't even count nine player deal. I think this is. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's six for three or one, two, three, yeah, four. Yeah, six player. for three. Yeah, I love it. So, uh, Kel, we were talking before the show. I know you started a trade. Did you end up coming up with anything, or because I know I, you were you were short on time before the show to, to come yeah. up with? Yeah. So um, I, when I first started looking at this, two teams jumped out, and it was the two teams that you guys ended up making a trade for. <laughs> Part of it is, you know, the um, I, I love that you guys targeted someone who is not producing right now, but we fully expect dynasty wise to be really good and have more value next year and Jerry Judy. And then you haven't done yours yet, but you did the same thing, Rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that now since I, I didn't want to just double dip on that. So I had to start looking at the league a little bit closer and I'm really glad that I did because if you look at the league itself, first of all, I think we've undersold that in this league, the top scoring person has 364 points in two weeks. And the player we're trying to help has 186, like (laughs) almost 200 points less in two weeks. So there's nothing here. I think for, for this year and have to work really hard to be competitive even next year, I think, but the pieces are here. And the good news is I think when you look at the teams at the top, I do not think those teams are built to win back to back right right now i i just don't if you look at the team that scored the most tom brady's their quarterback they do have jalen hurts which rocky knows like that is a little like are you if you had to place an amount of money that mattered to you on whether he was the quarterback next year in philly like 
Yeah, I'm skeptical myself as a guy who's in Philly. Yes, so yeah, he's looked great. I love it. I wish he. I hope he gets a chance to start there for the next 15 years. I think I do as well. Actually, I really like the guy, and he's he's fun to watch. Great leader, I love it. But like, there's there's a little bit of shakiness to his dynasty value because of how the organization so far has handled him. Um, but then look, Dalvin Cook. Like we're we're at the edge cliff and maybe injury cliff right now for for Dalvin Dalvin Cook. Aaron Jones, he's another one. His contract's coming up. So, like, this team's scoring a lot of points. They're doing well. Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen. Like, all these players are, like, right there at the edge. So, is this team going to repeat? Like, I don't know. Like, how much value do a lot of these players have when it comes to next year? Um, could have some production. But, like, those running backs could be in very different or, you know, hit that Todd Gurley wall that we get afraid of. Um, and then if this guy ends up winning the championship, we're not really looking at him as somebody who's going to do it again. Um, Kentucky lawnmower is he's the next one. Like he's another one that, that that's two and O, but kind of same thing. Like a lot, he's got Hopkins, he's got Eckler, um, he's got Aaron Rodgers. you know, like these are his pieces that he's building around right now. That's not a, to me in an empire league, that's not a, you've got to have a team that's going to be on the rise for a couple of years, kind of at the same time. And I don't think that those players have it. So the one that I, I ended up finding and stumbling upon is this raging uh, Randall Redwood. And I hope you don't listen to the show, <laughs> wherever <laughs> you are. Um, had the 101 because he's got, got Pat Mahomes. So I assume he had the 101. And then I don't, like what he did with it after Pat Mahomes, like made the, made the layup for Matt, Pat Mahomes. I don't love what he did other than he walked away with an extra first, which is good, but I just don't like, yes, he's two and O, but he's got way less points than those top two teams. Um, and less points, even than somebody that's got, you know, one that somebody that's one and one, but at two and O, you can talk yourself into being a competitor. And anytime you got Pat Mahomes, you can talk yourself into that. Right. So my trade is I want those two first that he's got. And with Saquon, if I, if this person fully believes he is competing, he's got Miles Sanders, he's got Antonio Gibson, which are good, but they're not Saquon. And if, if you can convince him that like with some of the negative buzz right now, going with Gibson, you've got some of that, that, you know, everybody's all up on gain. Well, that, Hey, what he really needs is Saquon. Get, take those two first because again you need you need assets that are that the great thing about picks there is they are a hundred percent guaranteed between now and the draft of gaining value there's yep. nobody else you can invest in nothing else you can invest in that's guaranteed to gain value the way a draft pick is so he's in enough of a hole that that's what i want to shoot for and then there's a couple of other assets that I think you might can get thrown into here in a minor St. Brown or Ramondre Stevenson. They're just more of like they're young players. They've got some buzz. We've, we've, you know, differing opinions on them, but some people do have, you know, some, some, um, some hope for them. And if they're right, people have hope for those players at the right time. You may be able to flip them too, or maybe just, maybe you believe in them and can invest in them. Maybe you don't. Brian Edwards is another one that maybe you want to target. I'm not a big Brian Edwards believer. I know a lot of people are. So maybe you get the two first and Brian Edwards instead. But um, I think that is worth moving Saquon for. And I think you're looking at a couple-year rebuild. 
So I want those assets. If he's got the number one pick plus two other picks that based on what I'm looking at could be mid round, like that's a good solid base that you can now rebuild yourself. Now I'm not as worried about giving Saquon to the Patrick Mahomes team because I don't think he's good at building a team. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's not listening. Like you said, yeah. uh, it's funny because uh, we all kind of had a similar uh, setup uh, for our trades. Um, and, and I think uh, something I wanted to point out, we kind of do this with a specific roster, but we like to kind of take general takeaways from it. And I think uh, two of them that we can hear is, as I'll go into my trade in a minute uh, is one. Yeah, definitely. You know, you got to find that best asset. You got to be honest with your team. Uh, find that best asset if you need to rebuild. And, and especially in this case, you have a, a really high end running back that you don't really want to hold on to in a rebuild anyway. And, and I don't even know if it'll if it'll be a long rebuild. I think he does have a lot of nice pieces in place. Um, he's got CD. He's got Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. He's got some other receivers. Um, so, but. Uh, and the other thing was, I think it's a really good thing. I think we all kind of did this too. Is target, especially in season. I love to, to target. I love to target. I think you actually targeted the guy that was two and two and zero, but not in point. He wasn't the highest guy in points. And mm-hmm. I, I, I targeted the guy who was one and one. He was like fifth in points. That he still probably believes he's a pretty good team. That's what I like to do. Is not that I don't want to go for the top guy usually. I want to go for the guys you know a couple spots below there that that may not be as good as they think. But but if they do think they're good, you, you know, you can you can get some stuff out of them that, that they, maybe they should even be given up. And if you get picks in the deal, it's even better because those mm-hmm. picks could be worse than those guys think they're giving up. So uh, I just wanted to point those two things. I really like your trade, too, Cal. I think the value's even. Um, I think Saquon should be worth at least two first still. Uh, and you get the, the little add-ons. And it's kind of very similar to what I did. I think the, the value – I didn't get uh, all picks. Uh, I'm trying to see if I remember. But yeah, I did have one pick in there. But I think it's kind of two first plus as well is basically the value that we're talking about with mine. And as I said, that's what I did. I, I, I targeted, I think the guy's like fifth in points. He's one and one. Um, so he probably thinks he's doing okay. And and if he gets a guy like Saquon, that he could really take it to the next level with his team. Um as we said, I just like this guy does have to look to the future. I don't, th- and I do think that, Doing something like I do like getting the picks, like you said, especially the twenty since they were twenty twenty two. I kind of like that even more because he wants to try and turn around this around quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, what I did was similar. I offered it to team uh, where's B, uh, this uh, exciting team name of team BJS six G three, and I offered Saquon Barkley. Marvin Jones and a third. The third was just to make it look nice because I don't care about thirds. So you just add another piece and they think they're getting three for three. Um, and uh, for Waddle, Bateman, and a first. So Jill and Waddle, Rashad, Bateman, and a first. Again, this guy uh, can definitely think he's a contending. He does have he does have some good pieces. And he, again, kind of like what I said with uh, Addison's trade is that you're, he's giving up uh, really sort of three pieces that aren't doing that much for him right now in, in Waddle. Waddle's the only one that's produced anything. The first obviously isn't getting you any points and Bateman's been on IR. Uh, and he's, he's, he's got a lot of veteran guys on his team. He can uh, rationalize having Saquon uh, gives him a better chance at the title, gets him closer to that top team, uh, brings an obvious lineup upgrade. Um, I wasn't sure myself how to. Like, I value Saquon pretty highly, like Addison does. I, I still basically value him pretty close to Saquon's value coming into the season. I mean, 
that's another thing I wanted to mention here with this all talking about Saquon is I think it's funny. Everybody said, and the Giants told us he is going to start slow and then he starts slow and we all start panicking. So <laughs> uh, I definitely think we're going to see Saquon. Uh, and so, so basically I liked doing that. You throw in Marvin Jones, the piece I absolutely do not care about for our team um, because he's going to have, he has no value, not much value now, but since he scored well, the first two games, maybe that means something to the guy. It also helps. He's losing two receivers, picking up a guy who scored like 15 points each game. You can try mm-hmm. and sell him on that. So he, he sells these uh, three pieces, gets Waddle Bateman in the first. And I wasn't sure if that was, maybe it might be an overpay just to, uh, First, it wasn't to me, but to the market. And I put in two calculators. It's funny. DTC had an overpay um, for Saquon, and DLF Trade Analyzer had an, had Saquon as an overpay for the other side. So I guess maybe that means it's a fair trade. I don't know. But um, what do you guys think of that one? And then we'll finish up here. So, uh, Cal, what do you think? Yeah, no, I love it because you are you're kind of getting – three first if you do this with your deal because Bateman and Waddle were first this year but like I don't know that we think about it in those terms and yeah, I do think in Superflex Bateman was an early second in some drafts but yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right in, in Superflex yeah so I, I think that ends up getting really good value and then you I like that you guys are adding in some of these pieces you know the Marvin Jones that the, you know these that could be just a little bit of extra like the person can talk themselves into it and you know, with a little bit more time, I think I, I you know, I would have tried to put a little bit of, of that in there too, because um, I lo- I love that strategy. Get you know something in there, but you know, in Dynasty, that's not a piece that you're building with for the future. So yeah, and adding that third round pick, genius, always do that. <laughs> it makes yeah, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it makes it makes it look nicer. You know, I'm getting three pieces. I'm giving up three pieces. Uh, my co-host on a uh, uh, trade addicts and and Addison's trade show uh, co-host uh, uh, Russ always says thirds get deals done. So, yeah, I, I like that. Any thoughts on this trade before we we sign off here, Addison? I like it too. I do wonder if it is. Uh... If it's too much for Saquon Barkley, or if that guy's going to view it as too much for Saquon, that's what that's what I was wondering. That's why I put it in the calculators. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I am kind of worried, um, and, and I do like you made a note down here that you're you like maybe you wait a week or two and Saquon mm-hmm. kind of comes back to Saquon and his value kind of comes back up, and then you can get that kind of value for right. for Barkley with with Waddle Bateman in a first. Um, but I do like it too, and obviously you know. Quarterbacks and wide receivers, those are the two positions that you want mm-hmm. when you're and going picks. for a rebuild uh, and picks, and mm-hmm. you don't want running backs, and we don't really care about tight ends. Um, <laughs> Especially anyway. in a no-premium league. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like that. I like cows as well. I thought, you know, just going straight for picks, you get the upside dart throws in in Amon Ra and Ramondre Stevenson. Um, I, th- those two kind of trades are basically the trades that I started doing, um, you know, because I think that there's a bunch of opportunities for Corey to trade away Saquon Barkley, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, finding the teams that are willing to take on Saquon and getting the most value for him. And I'm glad that we're all in consensus with moving Saquon Barkley, and I like that a lot because I do think that there are mo- – like, I went through – I mean, every t- Uncle Rico, the number one team, like, his team's insane. But, like, <laughs> yeah. um, if you move down through the the two other 2-0 and teams and a couple of those 1-1 one one teams that we targeted as well – that could talk themselves into being con- contenders. Um, I think Saquon Barkley would fit on a handful of those teams. And it's, you know, just like I said, just whatever gives you the most value uh, and, and do that one. 
Yeah, and and yeah, I, I did mean to mention, like you said, the the point about possibly waiting for Saquon too, because like, yeah, I think the second he, you know, the first game, I think his value will shoot up when if he goes to Atlanta and has like nineteen for one hundred and twenty and six catches for fifty yards, he's he's gonna, you know, that first Saquon game, he's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna explode in value. So, um, and I don't think, especially if it, uh, I'm hoping with Saquon, it only takes another game or two, but especially if it does, I don't think you're losing like much opportunity here either, because especially now with Tua out, I don't think Waddle or Bateman uh, are gonna, you know, are gonna go up much in value where the guy's gonna in two weeks be more tentative to give those two up. So I don't think you lose much either if you do wait a week or two and and, and see if Saquon has that game first. Um, but really good talk, guys. I, I, I want to thank you both again for coming on tonight. Uh, I, it's, we're already an hour and a half here, and it's just flown by. I really appreciate it. Uh, Addison uh, and Cal, I want to give you both a chance to uh, just kind of sign off, give your, give your Twitter handles to everybody. Tell everybody what you're doing, where they can find you. So, Addison, you go first, and, and then we'll do Cal. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for asking me to come on. This was super fun. I love the, you know, create a trade segment. I thought that was mm-hmm. awesome. Thank and, you. And uh, really fun <laughs> to do both as, you know, as somebody doing it, but I could see that being a major value for a lot of other people, and, um, something that I might steal down in the future. But, um, <laughs> uh but no, yeah, thank you so much. So um, at Amazes underscore on Twitter, that's uh, I'm not really Twitter, very Twitter active, uh, but I am on there. Um, the, the big thing, though, is the DLF YouTube channel, of course. Uh, I mean, it's where basically all of my content is going. Um, Cal as well. Cal is fantastic. And, you know, I always say, like, you know, join the YouTube channel and subscribe to it because you get a bunch of content from not only me, but Cal and, and uh, Tyler do the Ask DLF show on Tuesday. We have Mannequin Show, like I mentioned earlier in the episode from Scott and Shane. The DLF podcast goes on there. The trade show with Russ and I. Um, we have other live streams, like the Superflex live stream with John Hogue. Uh, Peter Howard does a live stream on Wednesday nights. We have content you know, crazy going on every single day of the week on the DLF YouTube channel. So... Uh, hit that subscribe button uh, on here and on the DLF YouTube channel while you're already on YouTube. And uh, yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. And uh, Cal, what you want to just give your Twitter handle and again, where they can find you uh, and all that good stuff. Yeah, at Calvin and Hobby uh, right here on the screen. Make sure you, you know, look, <laughs> I I love interacting with people on Twitter. I have a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm like Addison. Like I, most of my stuff that I do, it might be late at night. It might, you know, but stuff like that. It's not necessarily uh, during the day super active. But um, but I have a lot of fun doing it. I've had a blast on the YouTube channel with Addison. We've been doing some stuff on Sunday morning. Um, been doing. We had we released a good injury show uh, there week one. Talked a lot about injuries Sunday morning with Jeff, um, who I mentioned earlier. And that's really good. So because of that, we've had a good take. I, I did a dynasty. This is what I think y- your listeners would probably like the most is <laughs> on Tuesday nights, Ask DLF with me and Tyler Carr. We just yes. take dynasty questions sure. for it. Right now it's an hour and a half. We dialed it back because we do have more content, you know, other days of the week. But we were doing four hours where we were just literally <laughs> taking wow. dynasty questions like, you know, like you had from Really Truther in here for hours and literally just answering questions, talking about strategy, 
lot of fun, great chat. So, you know, and, and what's cool is there's some really smart people that are in the chat that are answering questions too. And so like some of it is us talking and others, it's just there in the YouTube channel, having a conversation and, you know, answering questions, running things by each other. It's really cool. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, people who like this would probably also like that show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, everybody go check out Cal, go check out Addison, all their stuff on DLF. It's fantastic. I, again, I want to thank you two both for coming on and I just want to finish up with some of our business here. Um, I just want to give the, the Twitter handle that you can follow the pod at, which is at dynasty junkies. Uh, you can follow the DAP network at DAP underscore network. That is where you will see the uh, live feed pop up uh, every Thursday at nine 30. Uh, we'd love for more people to come into the chat. We had Ridley truth. They're all here, here all night. Uh, pretty much commenting, asking a couple questions that we got on the show. We'd love to answer more questions. So, uh, feel free to, to, I know, uh, you know, people are watching the game, but sometimes we have, uh, you know, sometimes we have the Texans versus the Panthers and who cares? So, uh, come <laughs> Come watch a dynasty pod, or well, maybe you can watch the two screens. Want to watch one on your phone and watch one on the TV. But uh, follow uh, Andrew Hall FF at Andrew Hall FF at Scott underscore stay low. My other two hosts uh, who will be on in the upcoming weeks again. Um, uh, please like, uh, subscribe to the YouTube for DAP Network. Um, that's how you can see this also on YouTube, uh, as well as Fantasy Timeline. Also goes live every week on uh, Twitter and YouTube. And occasionally Trade Addicts will pop up there. So make sure you're following the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network on YouTube. Uh, give a like, subscribe, rate, review the pod. Give us a five star. Don't give us a one star. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like and uh, it'll help people find us. So I think that'll do it for this week, and uh, we'll be back uh, next Thursday. Junkies out.